Over these weeks, we've been examining some realities that are very essential to our faith in Jesus Christ. And this morning, we want to wrestle with a question. Is Jesus the only way? Is Jesus the only way to God? Is he the only way to salvation? In the courtroom of culture, where man sets himself up as judge over all things pertaining to God, the answer is a resounding no. Pluralism, the belief that there are many different ways to God, now resounds down the the hall rooms of culture. Inclusivism, that everybody somehow gets in, and even theological universalism, that, that no one is ever going to be damned into a Christless eternity, that is now the prevailing view of our culture. And when the Christian stands up and says that Jesus is the only way, it is viewed as intolerant and a philosophical hate crime. That's a culture we live in. In in a view of tolerance where everything is tolerated except those who believe that they have, from God, revealed absolute truth. And no matter how gracious and loving a Christian may present the truth that Jesus Christ is the only way, that hits the wall of our culture. And the cries of unfair, prideful, arrogant, and hateful echo back at us as we make that truth claim about Jesus Christ. Uh, Isn't enough for people to be sincere in their faith? I mean, if somebody really is sincere, isn't that enough for God? I received a Christmas card some years ago, and it had a statement from every world religion. This was the Hindu statement. As one may ascend to the housetop by a ladder, a rope, or bamboo, so there are many ways to reach God. Friends, either that's true or it's not true. C.S. Lewis said, Christianity is a statement which, if false, is of no importance. And if true, is of infinite importance. The one thing that cannot be is moderately important. Either Jesus Christ is the only way or he is not. C.S. Lewis went on in Mere Christianity and said, there's one thing we must not say. A man, talking about Jesus, who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. So don't patronize him that way, C.S. Lewis is saying. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says that he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man, Jesus, was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, but you, you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. You cannot simply refer to Jesus as a good moral teacher. So the question that we're wrestling with, is Jesus the only way? Again, our culture, more than ever before in the history of our nation, is offended by that statement. I want you to know there's nothing new about that for the people of God. I want you to think through with me that just the, the history of redemption. When you think about Christ among the gods throughout history, think about how Cain viewed the way to God as through sacrifice and his brother Abel killed him. 
Think about Abraham who left an idolatrous city to follow the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How, how Moses fled Egypt and then came back to Egypt and in the plagues, in Exodus 12, 11, we're told that every one of the plagues of Egypt was a frontal attack on the deities of Egypt to prove that God alone is God. And not only was the economy and the agriculture and the military of Egypt devastated, but their theology was in shambles because God showed that he alone, the God of the burning bush, I am that I am, is the true living God. Joshua called the people at the end of his life to make a choice. Either God is God or worship the other idols, but you can't go down both paths. The Judges shows what happens when the people of God try to accommodate the culture. And the book of Kings is a record of the up and down spiritual life of how the people of God tried to embrace the culture around them and, and its idolatry. But when they were true to God, they destroyed the idols and they lived for God alone as a true and living God. The prophets, like prosecuting attorneys, confronted Israel and the nations with idolatry and proclaimed that God was the creator and the redeemer of all and that there was no other God but God. Daniel and his friends stood for God in the midst of the Babylonian culture and refused to bow down to the idol and went to the fiery furnace and to the lion's den because they believed in God. And the church faced persecution in the first three centuries, not because they believed in Jesus, but because they believed that Jesus was the only way and that there was no other God but the triune God. They wouldn't worship. They wouldn't burn incense to Caesar and claim that he was God. They believed that Jesus alone was God and Savior. Now, friends, either all of those people in the Old Testament and in the, and in the church age were right or they were wrong. They cannot be both. Is Jesus the only way? There's a gate in Mecca that was replaced with a, a beautiful gold and silver entrance covered with 396 pounds of gold worth at that day $3.7 million in gold. The artisans engraved the 15 Arab names for God and the gate of Mecca. And, and, and there they go in that gate and claim that to them Allah alone is God. Friends, either that's true or it's false. Is Jesus the only way? Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, in verse 13 and 14. Enter in by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those that find it are few. Jesus said there's a gate that is a broad way. It leads to destruction, he said. And there is a gate that is a narrow way, and it leads to life. Now, now that may seem to our human way of thinking as rather limiting, exclusive. Would you stand up just for a minute? What do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? You're a pilot. What kind of jets do you fly? Corporate jets. Okay, you can sit down. All right. I'll ask you a follow-up question. When the air traffic controller in the tower 
tells you what, what runway to land on and what direction to come at and what speed to come. Do you have a choice to just make it up on your own? No, you don't get to choose any runway, do you? You don't get to choose any speed. You can't approach that runway 360 degrees of your own making, can you? If you want to crash, thank you very much. Friends, listen, I have flown into almost every major airport in America multiple times, Atlanta, the busiest airport in America, and I'm always grateful that the pilot will submit to the air traffic controller in the tower who says, you're to land at this time on this runway at this speed from this direction. Now, that seems rather narrow, doesn't it? Not if you want to be alive. So, friends, why does it seem narrow to us for the God of creation and redemption to say to us, Jesus is the only way? You wouldn't want a pilot that was inclusive, that made himself his own authority. So, friends... We're going to step out of the courtroom of culture this morning, and we're going to step into the courtroom of Scripture. And we're going to see what God has to say about the answer to this question. So, I want to call to the witness stand Isaiah. We're going to look at his, his words here, okay? Isaiah, the prophet. He wrote 740 years before Jesus. And we're going to go through some of these passages rather quickly, but look at what he says about who God is and who is Savior. This is the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 43, 10 to 11. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant, that's Jesus, whom you have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me was no God formed, nor shall there be any after me. I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Get it? Now listen, what else he says? Isaiah 45, all these other verses from Isaiah are from that 45th chapter. I am Jehovah, I am the Lord, and there is no other. There's no other God, he's saying. Beside me there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun from the west, there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other Friends, people will say to you, there's just one God and we all worship the same God. No. Never been true in history and it's not true today. The one true God is the God who revealed himself in creation and in scripture and in Christ. And he claims in Isaiah that he alone is God and that there are false deities. Listen in verse 20 as he goes on. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, you survivors of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idols, and they keep on praying to a God, watch this, that cannot save. They're praying to a God that cannot save. Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told you this long ago? Who declared as of old? Wasn't I the Lord? There is no other God besides me a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. 
The prophet Isaiah answers the question, is Jesus the only way with a resounding affirmation, yes, and that there is no other God but the God of Scripture? Now, either Isaiah is right or he's wrong, but he can't be both. So when our culture says, all ways to God are acceptable, it runs right head on into the words of the prophet Isaiah. Let's call another witness to the witness stand. Let's call um, John, one of the disciples of Jesus, closest to him. And this familiar passage, but listen to the words, John 3, 16 to 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world through him might be saved. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, and whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. My friends, you see that? The gospel is both inclusive and exclusive. It's inclusive because God loves the whole world and sent his son to die for them. But it is exclusive because John writes here very, very clearly, very clearly, that only in Jesus Christ, whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in his first letter, John writes this in 1 John 5, verse 11 and 12. This is this testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son, Jesus, has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Did you catch that? John says if you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have life. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't have life. Is Jesus the only way? John answers a resounding, absolutely. He closes his letter with these words. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us an understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, and in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. John writes, and then he he ends, little children, keep yourself from idols. And in John's opinion, it is idolatry to believe that any God other than the God of the Bible is God and that there's any Savior other than Jesus Christ. My friends, that is idolatry according to the Bible. Jesus said, and John here, here writes, Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. And he is the true and living God. And to worship any other God or to say that all ways lead to God is nothing short of idolatry. John The closest disciple of Jesus would answer the question in the courtroom of Scripture and say, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. What about Jesus himself? My friends, I invite into the courtroom today the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who is judge over all. Would you stand with me as we invite in Jesus Christ to this discussion? Stand with me right now in honor of the one who's King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus in the upper room spoke these words. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I go, he said, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Please be seated. The King of kings, Lord of lords, judge of all the earth, the one we worship this morning who died on the cross in the upper room and answered the question, how do we know the way to God? How do we know the way to heaven? Jesus made three statements. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's a rather exclusive claim, don't you think? I mean, the end of that verse, no one comes to the Father but by me. Pretty exclusive. No one, clear, comes to the Father but by me. In a positive way, Jesus said, I am the way. Thomas Aquinas said of this verse, he is the way, without him there's no going. He is the truth, without him there's no knowing. He is the life, without him there's no living. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way means he is the pathway, he is the road that leads to God. Some religious people have said, well, just like all roads lead to Rome in Italy, or all roads lead to London in England, all roads lead to God. No. Jesus said, I am the way. Now, you can get to Detroit taking different routes, but you can't get to God except through Jesus. He's the way. He is the truth. Means that he is the ultimate reality about salvation. And and anything else is a lie. And he is the life, meaning any other way to God is a dead-end street. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so the judge of heaven says, he's the only way. Jesus made that claim for himself. Well, let's call another witness in. Let's call in Peter. Peter, what would you say? Very close to Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, Peter has been confronted by the Sanhedrin the ruling body of the Jews, about a miracle, about a lame man that was healed. And they're asking him, in whose name did you do this? Listen to Peter's answer. Acts chapter 4. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that's the gospel, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. And here's here's the verse. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Read that again. Peter proclaimed to the Jewish leaders of his days, and in the, in the passage of Scripture we have, proclaimed there is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is not salvation in anyone other, Peter says. Peter would remember as Jesus agonized in the Garden of Gethsemane, Well, he and the other disciples slept. But he must have heard enough of Jesus' prayer to help it be recorded in the Gospels. Because as Jesus is praying, they're agonizing. Luke tells us he was sweating great drops of blood. Jesus prayed this. Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. The cup of suffering. 
I don't think Jesus was just thinking about the physical suffering of the cross. I think he was thinking of what it was for him to experience the wrath of God against my sin and your sin. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Friends, listen, if there was any other way to salvation, then wouldn't the Father have answered Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane by delivering him from that hour? If there was any other way of salvation, then why would God send his son to this earth to die a a death on the cross of humility and brokenness and torture? And why would God turn away his face from his son, breaking the fellowship of the Trinity as he became wrath for us? And Jesus became the wrath-absorbing sacrifice. If there was any other way, but Peter says there's not salvation in any other There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I want to call one more witness. Let's call Paul in. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 to 6. Now notice this. God desires all people to be saved. That is inclusive in the gospel. And to come to the knowledge of the truth, there's not salvation apart from that. For there's one God, not many gods, and there's one mediator, not many mediators, between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, which is a testimony given at proper time. My friends, listen. Paul, who persecuted Christians and denied Jesus as Savior and Lord, encountered him on the road to Damascus, and for the rest of his life, proclaimed the reality that Jesus Christ was the only way. He ultimately gave his life for the gospel and for the truth claim that Jesus Christ alone is the way. And he said, Paul says, there's one God, not many gods. And there's one mediator between between men and God. It is the man Christ Jesus. So you cannot put Jesus alongside Buddha or Muhammad or Joseph Smith or the leaders of any other religion. There's no comparison. Jesus Christ makes the claim that there's one true triune God and that there's only one Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. R.C. Ryle wrote these words. Only the blood of Christ can cleanse us. Only the righteousness of Christ can clothe us. Only the sacrifice of Christ can give us a title to heaven. Jews and Gentiles, educated and uneducated, rich and poor, everyone, no matter what their position or standing in life, must either be saved by Jesus Christ or lost forever. And the apostle emphatically adds, there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. There's no other person commissioned, sealed, appointed by God the Father to be savior of sinners except Christ. The keys of life and death are only found in his hand, and all who want to be saved must go to him. So my friends, love wins is not good theology. Christ wins is. Love wins implies universalism, that everyone will ultimately be saved. The Bible does not proclaim that. The Bible proclaims that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And those destinies are eternal. And Jesus Christ is the one that determines that. So I declare to you, Jesus Christ wins. And today, he universally invites people to trust him. But he exclusively is the way of salvation. So my question to you this morning, not in the courtroom of culture, 
But in the courtroom of Scripture, is Jesus the only way? Is Jesus the only way? If you say no, you are contradicting Isaiah. You are contradicting Paul, John, Peter, and Jesus himself. Is Jesus the only way? So friends, from the courtroom of Scripture, I declare, thrown out of court any other salvation and any other God. There is one true and living God. What difference does this make? We must be faithful to him no matter what the culture says, friends. Your faith must rest on him and him alone for salvation. Your worship must be given to the triune God of the Bible alone. The message of the gospel is desperately needed by everyone, by everyone. And the mission of the church is of ultimate importance because Jesus is the only way. Let's bow together in his presence. Our God, thank you for your mercy and your grace in Jesus Christ. When we deserve your wrath, your judgment, to be alienated from you for all eternity in the lake of fire, you devised a plan from the fall of mankind that Jesus would come as Messiah, that he would take upon himself our flesh without sin, born of a virgin, that he would die in the sinner's place upon the cross as our substitute. That he would rise from the dead and ascend to heaven. That he would seat at your right hand as our high priest, as our advocate, as our Lord, as our Savior, as our King. And we would declare with all of heaven today that worthy is the Lamb who was slain because you alone are Savior. And we declare, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you alone are God, and there is no other God but you, and there's no other Savior but Jesus. Oh God, may that be such a conviction in us that we'd be willing to live for it, to share it, to declare it, and if need be, even to die for it. Because you, Jesus, are the only way. You are the way. You are the truth. And you are the life. And no one comes to the Father except through you. In your name, amen.